This week's guest goes by the name of Bertie Brosnan, so he's a history and sorry, Irish history and mythology fanatic, you could say. Uh, quite an interesting character, it must be said as well. Um one thing I liked about him was really articulate sort of a fella, well able to talk, um, which is great when you're on a podcast because plenty of pricks have had that you have to drag fucking conversation out of him. So he was great in fairness, well able to talk, knew his stuff and uh, was was opinionated on stuff as well, which is always nice. Wasn't on the fence kind of a guy either, which is always nice as well when you're doing a podcast. So yeah, a bit about Irish history, mythology and a bit of a sprinkle of uh, nationalism as well, which is always nice. So yeah, hope you enjoy, lads, and uh, have a nice weekend or weekday, whatever you're having. I kind of religiously started watching all your videos and kind of got hooked on them. But uh, I was watching one of the videos and you were saying like your childhood, like and just like running through the mountains. And it kind of seemed like half of the stuff you talked about in some of the the historical and mythological stuff, it kind of seemed like something from 100 years ago. Like, and it's, you know, that's only 20 years ago, like you're. Mm. um you kind of it seemed like you lived a childhood that was very free absolutely yeah and actually daniel is my brother's name as well so i have an affinity for the name dan and my grandfather was danny as well so it's good to be on the podcast dan and uh you know um definitely and also as well um i mentioned it quite a lot and um you know about we kind of had this so i grew up in tralee town so i did grow up in a we were townies like but there was this, there, we lived on the kind of the edge of the town. So literally throw a stone, you're into a kind of a wood, like, you know what I mean? Or, you know, if you just went walking for about two miles, you're up, you're up the mountain. But also as well as that, my dad used to bring us every summer because he was like a fishery bailiff uh, back in, um, back to West Kerry. And we used to go back every summer, myself and my brother with my dad. And we used to spend like the whole summer, literally, on a not on a river like but we were living practically next to a river so we used to swim in the rivers we used to fish we used to be out in uh you know out in the sea on boats you know we were running wild in the in the fields there like and so yeah that was all that was um that that's the way we lived so then there was the the other half of our life or not half but three quarters of our life was in the town do you get me so really those kind of experiences all kind of happened during the summer it was always the other seasons you're in school and you were kind of not really going out into the country because of the weather and stuff like that. So like a quarter of my childhood from when I was born right up until around 20 years old, I was spending a lot of time in the countryside, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of, the the reason I mentioned it was kind of, I think it links to like a lot of the stuff you talk about, like all them, even all like the old stories, like it always links, like whenever I think about any of them old real like, like Irish mythology I always think of like my childhood like it's always stuff like you hear in primary school like even like the most simple ones like Ku Cullen or something and like you know like all the real like generic like Irish like mythological stuff you hear and it's just it's like um I don't know it just gives you like you just kind of feel free but like you seem like you had a real kind of a free childhood and one of those that um did that did that kind of like being out in the nature where like like most of most of these like Irish myths are based like out in the real old Irish nature. Did that have did that kind of link to like your interest in it? Do you think? Yeah, no, totally, man. Yeah, like uh, as I said, um, we you know like kind of rehashing the the video that you're talking about. I think it was the one where I just talked about. Um, yeah, it was the one where I was talking about. We, we used to go up into the into the mountain, and we we'd be up in the mountain and expecting half you know like half expecting it to be a fairy forest almost. You know what I mean and but also as well, I've mentioned this in another podcast that um, we kind of driving back to West Kerry, you know, where we were staying was back in Clahan by Brandon. My dad would always kind of say these stories like along the way, because I was always interested. I had this fascination with the supernatural as well. Like, you know, as as um, as a child, it was kind of weirdly, oddly fascinated with the ghosts and things like I was terrified, but also equally fascinated. So I always had this kind of intrigue around supernatural mysterious and stuff and um my dad would always have these kind of weird kind of stories going back you know every 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 time we were going back but not every time but almost every time you'd be like look up at the house now there was a mansion it was a derelict kind of mansion was it derelict or maybe it was it wasn't derelict sorry there was people owned it but they were never there there were rich people that owned it apparent apparently like this really famous actress bought this house it's uh going back to clahan 
and she kind of saw the house. I think it was during Ryan's daughter or something. She saw the house and she bought it literally afterwards. But anyways, that house, and you're looking up, you can barely see it. Of course, it was behind woods and stuff like that. And you could just barely see the corner. And you could see like the white kind of windows and be just looking up, like kind of seeing that there's someone standing in the window or imagining it like, you know. And uh, then my dad would say something like on Connor Pass, you know, the old high king. Like was total nonsense because there was no high kings there. Like, but that's what he would say, kind of, you know, it didn't really matter the the actual context. It was just, uh, you know, there's something up in the mountain, the old king. And, you know, this kind of thing was. And I, I also like Brandon Mountain has this kind of weird vibe when you're on the other side of Brandon Mountain down in in the Brandon Bay side and you look up it's very ominous and it's always very dark and there's always clouds it just seems to be like that all year round and that kind of presence kind of you know it kind of it was always stalking my imagination you know what I mean so that's definitely yeah for sure that to answer your question like that childhood really inspired my imagination you know definitely yeah and stuff like that does definitely like stick with you i've never had like too many like experiences like that where i've seen something that has kind of made me think wow like that is as you said like ominous about um like up in the mountains and you're looking up like that um but i always think like the likes of like real rural like Kerry, like real like any place like real rural even like the gate like even out in the west like i saw tommy tiernan did a documentary mm-hmm. and it seems like the most irish place like you know you see like the real old like cottages the real like old brick stone walls mm. and it just kind of feels like there's stories there like it just mm. you know like it's um it's a lot easier to look at than just these fucking high-rise flats in the city center mm. in dublin like there's a there's culture in you just see the west and it's um it's it's probably it's i think it's the best place in the country to be if you really want to be like in touch with what actually what ireland actually is like you know yeah absolutely i spent uh three weeks out in the blasket islands uh about four four five years ago now 2018 and I got a I got a writer's grant from Kerry County Council. It was amazing. Was it 2019? Maybe 2018, 2019. And um, I was out there for three weeks. And just like you said, I was out in the island, like no electricity, no hot water. But it was during the heat wave. It was 2018, actually, during that time when the grass of Ireland was going orange, like, you know. Um, and you could just feel it off the place. It was like there was 50 books written on the island about the islanders from islanders and from people that went there. And it was just like you could just everything about the place was was storyful, like you know what I mean. There was there was it just there were so many people that have passed away on the island, so many people that lived there over the generations, and because of the artistry of the place as well, like that that was kind of lending to the my even even as a even as like a someone in my thirties, I was getting that kind of childful kind of playful imagination about the place, you know. So yeah, definitely. As you were saying, West of Ireland definitely has that appeal. Maybe that's why Banshee of Inisherin is re- is is that's maybe the real reason why it's doing so well. I haven't even seen it yet, but I think it's something to do with that rural West, out in the sh- you know out in the wild Atlantic Ocean. Like you know what I mean? You know, there's something about that. Like there is, yeah. No, it's it's kind of it is powerful. Like whenever you're out, I like I must try and get out there a bit more often because I, mm. I know I've kind of repeated myself, but it is. It is a powerful fucking place. Where are you from, Dan? Actually, by the way, where was uh, you based? I'm from Kildare. Oh, all right, okay, yeah, yeah not too far, far away from me. But then, no, me, my auntie has a house out in Ackle, so we're there. Like, it's literally on the yeah. top of a hill. Like, it's real. Like, the driveway is literally like your car could nearly tip backwards. Yeah. That steep, like. So yeah. it's, it's going up there, and it's you're literally overlooking all the mountains, all yeah. And it's just, and that, the thing I like about it is there's no. There's no real like industrialization of the place. It's just yeah. kind of there. It's just grass. Yeah. There's just hills. There's sheep. There's water. Like it's just, it's it's like as I always is is you'd see from old age history. Like things used to be like, you know, um, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's it's just kind of nice. It's so it's so peaceful. Like I think that's people need a, you need a trip away there every now and then just because you have to get away from the kind of noise. Like and it just it's so absolutely you you stand and look and it's just there's not a breath of wind. It's just dead quiet. Like it's um yeah it's it's some place to be like yeah west Kerry's as well is very um unindustrialized can i say unindu- unindustrialized I there's no sounds like a word. Uh, i don't yeah. know maybe there's a, someone correct us in the comments or whatever uh someone because i always get that i'm always being corrected on my tiktoks about my different things you know i'm used to it now but uh i'm definitely not the smartest guy in the world um yeah. but what, <laughs> um 
But no, like the the reason why there's so many stone forts, I've only just found this out recently, stone forts and ancient sites left in West Kerry is because there's no, the, the, the lack of industrialization. And I think what you said about that being the case in certain places where and you going there, putting down your phone for a while, it's okay to take pictures and stuff like that. We had our phones in the Brasco Islands. But like if you could just put it down for a while and just take it in and you don't have that industrialization, you don't have the, the noise, the regular noise anyway. Like the first night I went on to the Blasket Islands, there are seals on the beach, like, and they were crying. And I was just imagining, like, because I was like, you know, you're on an island all of a sudden there and you're three weeks ahead of you in this cottage with no electricity. Uh, it's just you're out in the wild and you're hearing crying, like, coming from the beach. And I was just imagining, because I was half asleep and I was saying to myself, there's someone actually outside the window crying, like, it sounds like a child. You know what I mean? But it's not. It's the seals. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just that kind of thing. You're brought in that kind of nature and that kind of um, experience. People need to have that every now and again, you know, for sure. Um, How did you get on with the no water? Did you say no water or just no electricity? There was no electricity. And also there was limited water because especially at that time, there was um there was a, a shortage of water. So by the end of it, we were running out of water. So we couldn't actually, because we were running a cafeteria. I kind of got involved. Like I wasn't meant to be doing this stuff, but I loved it so much. Um, I got involved with the cafe and I got to know all the people that were managing it. And I just loved it. It was just, it was an amazing experience. And uh, we were running out of water, couldn't let the public use the toilets and stuff like that. It's just the well, there was a well, like, and it was actually right at the bottom. And like, so we were having, well, we had to have so basically it was cold showers like every single day but i was doing that william hafting at the time i don't do it now but i was doing it at the time i had glad i had that experience because it helped me in that experience to do cold showers every single day like you yeah. know but uh yeah so that's it yeah that's 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 to answer your question yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um what uh i kind of just thought of a few kind of questions um, yeah a few specific ones to ask you one of them was like what's your favorite like what's your um well, I say favorite, like favorite Irish history story or like um Irish mythology story or whatever way you want to put it. My favorite Irish history, because they're kind of different in the sense that they're for me, they're all history, but they're they're different types of things. Like we have our mainstream history, then we have our mythological, more mythological slash mainstream history, and then we have a mythological history. So for me, the one nine of the nine hostages was. The one where, now that's not my favorite, but it was the one where they reckoned that was like the edge of myth. So really, so before Nile of the Nile hostages, around, kind of around the same time as St. Patrick, maybe a little bit after, um, or maybe a little bit before. Um, but anyway, uh, he was at the edge of myth, almost like Ragnar Lothbrok, actually. They, they reckoned that they, he might not have even exi existed. The reality is he probably did. They're not quite sure. So that's the way history and myth actually kind of coincides is that the because of writing and because of literacy, kind of mainstream history kind of grew out of the fact that they started writing stuff down. But before that, it's mythology because it wasn't written down, it was passed on orally. But Brian Baru is definitely my favorite Irish mainstream history story. And basically his whole life, because what he did he overturned the 600-year dynasty of high kingship from the northern O'Neills and from an, as a monster man, it's kind of a proud thing, you know, like that. He and, and he he wasn't it wasn't just him doing it for 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 any sort of obviously there was probably personal pride in it, but he I think he saw what was going to happen in Ireland, which did happen a hundred years later. That's my own theory. That's definitely my favorite story. His whole life, from especially from when he was um around 36, 37 years old, when he took the high kingship of Munster, uh, or sorry, the kingship of Munster, and then all the way to the Battle of Clontarf when he defeated the last invasion of the Vikings, but also died in the process. That's definitely my favorite historical story. In terms of mythological story, again, it kind of links, it kind of links to Brian because he was fascinated by Fionn McCool and, and the, the Fianna, and he would have um, kind of, incorporated his own um his own vision uh at that period of life when he was in his late teens early 20s he would have went off into the wilds of county clare and lived on in the mountains with his own men because he rebelled from from the family because 
they wouldn't avenge for the death of of of, of his own family members and he went on a, his own crusade and basically started attacking different ports of the Vikings and stuff along the rivers. And he would have been inspired by Fionn McCool. So I think that's an amazing story as well about Fionn McCool and his Fina, because they're all aristocratic. People don't realize that as well. And they went off and they kind of lived off the land and they were kind of like warrior poets. Like there's something fascinating about that. And I feel like that, that's kind of when we were growing up in, our, in, in Ireland, in Kerry, when we were growing up, we kind of had that nature about us as well. We were rebellious. We were going off. And we weren't rebellious in the sense we were doing anything that didn't people didn't know about. We, my parents knew we were going up into the mountains. But once we were up there, we were wild, like, you know, and we did everything, you know, and um, kind of Huckleberry, even though it's not Irish, it's Huckleberry Finn kind of a life. But um, the one that I'm fascinated by as well, which is not necessarily mythology, but more folklore, is the Banshee. Because also it relates to Brian Brew as well, that they would have had a banshee in the family called Avine. And apparently her cave, and I can't find where the cave is on any Google Maps or any sort of research is very difficult around it. But there's a genuine cave in Clare around Killaloo and it's still there. And apparently she lives in that cave. And that's where Brian would have seen her first. And, that, and he would have seen her at different times of, in his life. And he would have saw, seen her the night before the Battle of Clancarf. And that's why he was very much staying back in the tent, praying and stuff like that, because he knew there was going to be a lot of death of, in, in his own family because she was crying the night before the Battle of Clancarf. So I know it's all kind of related about Brian Baru, but I kind of like doing that. I like interchanging it with, with actual history because it makes it more identifiable to people as well. Because I think the problem, and sorry, now I'm going a bit long-winded, I think the problem you were saying about in school they all they kind of they make everything generic about myth, and they make everything very much all film McCool and Cook and the Cook Collins story is amazing when when he he hit the stone and he killed the hound, and that's how we got our our, our, our sport of hurling, but I like to kind of relate it to our own historical figures who would have taken inspiration and then kind of relate it to my own life who we've took inspiration from as well. Michael Collins would have done that as well. A lot of the um, a lot of the the rebels. Of over the last 100 and 200 years, 300 years, they would have been inspired by myths and would have been inspired by historical characters as well. So that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, no, long winded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, you are right. Though. I was kind of, I was kind of going to say something similar to that about like mm. how, um, the likes of like you said, Brian Brew, like you know, going toe to toe with the Vikings and stuff like that, and then the inspiration and like all of them, like Dafina, like the all them stories, like and the likes of. The likes, as you just said, like the likes of Collins and all the rebels in 1916 and War of Independence, who and 1798, sorry, as well, I meant to say yeah. that. Who yeah. all, you know, and that was, I'm I'm guessing that was a, a, a major inspiration to them. Like, and that's like, these are just stories that are magical to people and they're, and they're stories of freedom. Like, and that's, you know, when you're oppressed for 700 plus years, that has to get into your psyche. Like, and Michael Collins, like, that was another guy I wanted to ask about because he's just mm. like, he he just kind of I think he just kind of epitomizes hero for the country. I think, you know, what he did for the country and a, mm. a lot of other lads as well, like not just him. But um I think he's probably he's I, I didn't I don't know much about Brian Brew, but he seems kind of a similar a similar character to him and just yeah. um his his whole his whole aura, like I, I did I don't obviously never met him, but like uh, his whole aura anything i read about him or any movies ever or that movie i watched them in or anything you ever read about me just seems like this powerful kind of a figure mm. um it's just inspiring like that's do you know what's interesting there as you're saying as well about the 1798 um rebellion as well and also all the other people involved in the rebellions the kind of rebellion war of independence time and and before them as well just kind of around there was other little things happening as well a lot of the time these guys were aristocratic and I think that's what defeated Collins in the end because he was a normal guy. And I think that's why a lot of us resonate with Michael Collins is because he was just a regular farmer kind of a guy like, you know, and but he had this unbelievable spirit that he was like one in one in 10 million kind of a, a person. Um, I think there's something about his relationship with his father that because when I started looking into his own relationship with his father, his father was father was very old when he had Michael like you know he was extremely old he was in his 70s oh, you know yeah. yeah yeah so Michael Collins father Michael John senior he 
he would have married Marianne O'Brien when he was 62 years old and she was only in her 20s. And he started having kids. Michael was, I think, the last the last kid and a child. And he was around 72 to time Michael John Sr. So he would have been 78 when Michael was six when he died. So imagine that relationship that he had with him. So I imagine my own grandfather, who was actually only my own grandfather, was only in the early 70s when they died, unfortunately. But imagine they were my dad. You know, it would have been kind of like a grandfather father relationship, but it would have been more intense because as an older man, when you have a smaller child, you kind of take more care of them and you understand more about life. And I just have this vision of Michael and his father being in the fields like and he's really because he was a very passionate um, patriot himself, Michael John Sr. And I would imagine he was whispering into his ears about Ireland, like, you know, just really hammering home, like about how powerful this country is and what this country means. And I think subconsciously now this is all my own theories people might think i'm bonkers because i'm i'm, I'm making this it's not I'm, not I'm not making it up i'm basing i'm researching like facts about life and about what could have happened what what fed michael like you know like and you know and the, the reality of what age his father was so and they were very close like all the writings and all the biographies are written around around them they would have said that they were very tightly knit family and they were very happy you know, and they lived in the in the farm kind of lands, like, you know. So imagine he would have been feeding them all this stuff, like, and I think there was just this real desire and hunger in Michael to to really fight for Ireland. But he was from West Cork, like, and and uh, he was dealing with the likes of Eamon de Valera and the likes of other people that were more, you know, how would I say, maybe even streetwise, you know, Um you know, I'm not saying that Michael wasn't streetwise. He had something else, which was uh, unbelievable intelligence and brute force and power. But maybe, and and I think in the end, he kind of knew us that he was being ousted and he knew that he signed his own debt warrant. He even said it himself. But he, it was almost that sacrifice, you know. It was almost that sacrifice. And um, I don't know where I'm going with that. But, um, but they were inspired. And as as I was saying, those aristocratic people that were around um, the other rebellions, they were madly inspired by the poets, by the the myths. W. B. Yeats was a pure like he was almost like one of the rebels as well, because he would have been hanging around with these guys and he would have been kind of in those circles, you know. And a lot of these rebels were even they were kind of like poets themselves and they would have been, you know, in those circles, you know, so. It was all very, it's all very romantic. You know, that's the thing about mythology as well. It's a romantic story, you know, and I think these historical characters are romantic and we kind of look back and we can kind of say, wow, like it's amazing what they did. And I think, and I'll definitely say, say no more on this, on this uh, question, on this answer, but I definitely think for there to be change in the world, the aristocratic elite class, it has to be a breakaway group from the from the people that run things there has to be they they have to change something the people don't have the power like they do when they gather in numbers but we do need to have a powerful aristocratic force that are inspired by these things to change and that we can follow them much like michael and and and, and all and all the other heroes you know that died for ireland you know yeah and do you, do you think there's been a bit of a like you're saying like the aristocratic elites that have to kind of look up to likes of we'll say Collins and whatever anyone else you want to mention do you think they maybe don't in the way that it used to be we'll say 100 years ago when sorry 100 years ago that would have yeah, been, yeah, anyway, would have been around that yeah yeah, yeah 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 do you think that there's kind of been a maybe a disconnect from that like strong kind of patriotic thing do you think there's been a disconnect from that yeah 110 percent. I think it's been uh, for me theorizing again I think it's been systematic I think it's been an, uh, an absolute 100% um, plan in action. I'm not talking about conspiracy theories now, for God's sake. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. But you just study history and you look at what happened. Look who was killed and look who was taken out and look who became, who got into power and look at the institutions around that and look what happened. And you can say it for yourself. It doesn't take it. it, doesn't, it you don't have to be conspiracy theorists. You just have to have a little bit of IQ, you know not even above average just average enough if you just take the time um 
Michael Collins was taken out because he was too much of a danger. Like he was on a mission to do to to bring much change to Ireland. Then I heard this very interesting theory that uh, I'm not going to. I, I promise I'll answer your question, but I did hear this one theory from one guy who, uh, which was interesting because I never heard this before. They were like saying, "Oh, he was too." Michael Collins was too dangerous because he was turning into a fascist dictator. Let's look at it from both sides. Maybe, maybe you could you could say, okay, fair enough, potentially, um, to look at both sides with a balanced view. But he was a man that was for Ireland, and everything he did was for Ireland. He even signed his own debt warrant for Ireland. Let's look at the last hundred years. What happened? Eamon de Valera got into power, didn't leave power for I don't know how long. He was president for like 20 something years or something in total. It was crazy. The Catholic Church came in then. And, and look, I'm not anyone that practiced Catholicism and stuff like that. I have friends that go to mass and stuff like that. 100 percent do what you need to do. You know, everybody has their spirituality. It's nothing to do with that. But it's to do with the, the power of the institutions and the, the, the managing of the people, the managing of the flock. And I think what happened when Collins was killed, De Valera came in and it would have been, okay, we cannot let this kind of stuff happen again. Like, do you know what I mean? And basically Ireland reverted into, even though we won our freedom, it took another 20 years to get the actual Republic, which we don't celebrate every year because we didn't actually win the whole country. Imagine that. Americans can't understand why we don't celebrate a Republic. And it's almost like, because we never got the actual full republic, like, and the republic that we got, is it really a true republic? You know, that's the question people have to answer, like. Um, so then we reverted back into like an almost traditional, very Catholic country that was just completely, you know, keeping the people in their place. And then we suffered uh, huge poverty in around my dad's time and stuff like that. So then the European Union came in and we were just like, oh, my God, yes, 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 let's give them everything. And they gave us power in the sense of money and we started building our country. But in that, we kind of lost our own voice because we only got 1% of the vote in Europe. And trust me, I want to be part of the European Union because it gives us a lot, but the price is a lot as well, you know. So I think the governments that have been in place since then, and I'm not a political scientist, I, I'm not a in any way, shape or form, politically motivated or even associate myself with any political party. I'm just on the outside looking in, having a, a little opinion about it. But like the political parties that have been running the country ever since. Patriotism, patriotism I mean, for God's sake, like, I mean, I don't see any, I don't see any of it. Um, I really do not see um, people that really love Ireland. Um, for what Ireland really was in the past. You know, I think people love Ireland in this kind of through the lens of either a religion or through the lens of a political party or through the lens of some sort of socio-economic lens. I don't think they love Ireland for what Ireland actually was because I think we've lost the actual truth about what Ireland really was. And that's what I mean by the systematic and actual 100% attack on who we really are. And 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 that's it. You know, I think, you know, it's not it's not nothing. Nothing is completely lost. Don't get me wrong. But I definitely think that we're moving into a direction where. We've already lost our language, we've already lost our our culture, kind of, in a sense, Um, we kind of be made like it's funny that, you know, the way we kind of want to elevate other cultures. But when we think about our own culture, what is it that we elevate about our own culture? Like, what is it that we really love and respect and understand about our own culture? You know what I mean? It seems to be always like paddy wackery kind of stuff or very kind of superficial stuff, you know? Um, and I think that's why a lot of people, Irish people suffer is because they've kind of forgotten and they know deep down that they are something more than getting pissed in the pub or getting or more than the Catholic Church or more than a political party. There's something more in them, you know? And that's what, going back to what you were saying, Dan, um, when we go into the West of Ireland, there's something comes up in us, like we're inspired by something, you know? And also, and I'll say la lastly, it's like, why is it that it's always these type of movies that kind of always gets us the praise, where it's kind of like real impoverished West of Ireland, kind of almost comedic level stuff, 
that is getting the praise? Why is that always elevated? Why aren't we making movies about our mythology, about our actual history? Why aren't we doing stuff that's actually elevating us? You know, why does it? Why is it always about the struggle against the British? You know, why can't we elevate ourselves ourselves up beyond that? So definitely, to answer your question, I think the government does not have the best interests of real Irishness at heart. Now, I will say one thing: they're keeping the Gaelic language alive. In 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 essence, in like when I go on to the Lewis, go on to Dublin bus, it's everywhere. And I'm studying Irish now again as well. And I, I'll give them credit for that. And I'll give them credit for the, the TG Cahar and all that kind of stuff that's that is thriving. And we need to we need to embrace that and definitely keep the embers of the Gaelic language going for sure. 100 percent Yeah, there's there's so many elements of it though, like that you touched on there, like you said, language. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. in decline, like it's been in decline for a long time. I I yeah, as you say, like there is a lot of like good work being done on it. I don't know how long it'll I think like the net, the way the nature of the way things works, and this isn't any like people are there's a lot of people immigrating, there's a lot of people emigrating. I think the culture gets lost when people come in and like there's no that like that's I'm not having a go at immigration. Like people are entitled to be to come into the country, that's fine. For um, sure. But there's almost a thing that I kind of notice a bit is like there's a like there's obviously a serious kind of culture of like an Irish Irish diaspora as we'll say over in like parts of England, like say Manchester, Liverpool or say probably the most famous ones in England. And then the likes of maybe New York, Boston, over in the States, like, and whatever else you want to pick out. It's almost as if there's not that, there's like a more, there's almost like a more kind of strong sense of Irishness abroad than there is back here. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's the fact they're all kind of together. And that's why, why they're all like, you know, the way if you see an Irish lad, like, let's say you're on holidays and you see a lad in a cabin jersey, like you go straight over to him. Like if he was at home, you would, you know, you you wouldn't, you might say hello to him, but you wouldn't, you just talk to him about 20 minutes just because he's Irish. So that's, it's almost like it's almost like it's something they focus on so much. Maybe it's because they miss Ireland. And it's just like that's mm. it's like a person. You know, they they it's such a strong part of their personality. Like, and uh, they just won't forget. But they don't want to lose that touch. Mm. You know, that touch with Irishness. Mm. So, um, but yeah, like there's, it's um, there was another thing you said towards the end. I can't remember what you um, but but yeah. like I I think I think what what's happened like like in terms of the stuff that I've been doing, like it's like in 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 essence, you're you're saying when you're abroad, and I'm I'm in contact with people at the moment. They're they're living in America and they're are Irish and they want to do stuff with me, projects and stuff like that. We'll see what happens. We're collabing, kind of separate to what I'm doing. But what you're saying there, Dan, is like I'm half my audience is American, like or American, Canadian, uh, Australian, British. Yeah. So basically, where where the Irish mainly are. Half my audience is from there, for sure. And actually, what I'm doing is not necessarily about me or anything to do with the way I'm... Like, there is a certain presentation to it that's probably working or whatever. But what it's really about is people want to hear this stuff. Like, ultimately, that's what they want to hear. Because they don't really hear this in school. And that's all on purpose. And they don't really see it on TV because I believe now it's all on purpose because they don't want the real truth about Celtic Ireland and Gaelic Ireland coming out. And I know that sounds weird. I know it sounds whatever conspiracy theory, but I genuinely believe that's the case because I I can see it as clear as day. Um, So that's why people are responding to this stuff. Like most of the comments I get, say for the Grace O'Malley thing, the Pirate Queen, why isn't there a movie about this? This is fucking. Yeah, I was, wo- I was wondering yeah. about that actually. Yeah, because that Why? is a fairly big thing, like. Yeah, and especially the fact that she's such a feminist, like a feminist, right? So it's like, she she did not bow to Queen Elizabeth. Like, what mm. the hell? Why? What the hell? And that's true. That's yeah. true. That's written in the record. She did not bow, and apparently there was a dagger in her dress because she wasn't too sure if she's going to be killed or not. Now I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but apparently that was the case. So, like, I mean, come on, that is a real story, you know, like, and then people are like, you know, that's the thing about Ireland, which is, and it's not our fault. There's this disconnect within us, not just the government and the government are not all to blame for everything. It's it's because it's happening for centuries. And I did recent uh, TikTok as well on this and about the Roman thing, you know, the Roman conquest of the world. We have to remember there was people back in those in, in those days, dictators and 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 emperors that wanted to dominate the whole entire world. Everybody focused on, on Hitler 
because it, we have video of him. But if we went back and videoed Caesars, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we would be we would be seeing the reality of what they wanted. What they wanted was the whole entire world dominated by them, what, talking their language, talking their religion, talking their culture, and that's it, you know. So yeah. that that kind of continued later. That see, people forget the, that actually happened in Ireland. We had our own culture, Gaelic culture, right up until 1169. And then the perfect storm happened and the Roman Catholic Church, which was led by, at that particular period of time, the only ever English Pope ever to exist. Uh, he, he was in for five years. He gave the permission to King Henry II to take the Lordship of Ireland. That was the end of everything. And that's why we don't hear about Gaelic Ireland before that. That's why there's no movies. I know Grace O'Malley's later on, but that's still the same thing. But... That's why we don't hear about that. That's why we're not included in the Viking show because they don't want that history because that's the whole point. They, that was the dictatorship. That was the, the the mission was to conquer and to eradicate. You know what I mean? And and that's that's what they did, you know? So. Yeah, but like, but all them stories that lead up and I, I people talk a lot of, actually, sorry, people don't talk. That's probably a problem is people don't talk enough, but like the oppression like that was in this, country like mm. i've read a good bit about it and i've like just i've tried I've, it's always something i've been interested in it was it the only word is like it was fucking horrific like and this went on for this was just all out of pressure and the, the, the british empire did this to so and as you know you know what you know better than me so like countless amount of countries i saw the the movie mm. gandhi as well and like all these there's countless these these are countless mm. amounts but like mm. you look at all these examples and they always i'd say like if it doesn't boil your blood looking even at the famine stories and the likes of what are other good examples like the, the famine is a good example and seeing mm. all them pictures even listen to the fields of that and right like if that doesn't boil your blood there's a serious problem with you mm. and your nationalism like and that you know that should be a thing that kind of makes you a bit angry it does make me angry anytime i watch even any time i watch michael collins it kind of makes me a bit angry see mm. and the wind that shakes the barley like this kind of stuff should you know it shouldn't it should kind of get under your skin a bit and that's um but maybe that maybe it doesn't anymore may i think look in fairness there is a thing where we kind of have to build bridges as well and i'm not saying that we fucking have to hate the english and that's not it at all but no there is a thing where we have to understand you know we have to understand like you know build the bridge is fine but never like that all that stuff can never be forgotten because if it is and i think that's we're kind of starting to forget it because it was so long ago and because we're kind of all pally with the Brits now, and which is fine, but it does have to be, there has to be yeah. an acute remembrance of what happened. Let's get one thing clear though. Like the English people had no part. This was, this was, this is all coming from the, as I said, the, the vision and the conquest of the, of the people that were the monarchy that, and the aristocratic right underneath the, the monarchy. These, this was the vision and conquest of the world. Like, so it was not, the English people didn't go out and did. Like, my mom is from London. Like, she's a plastic patty. Uh, I have, I, I have a, an uncle over there. I have loads of cousins. So I love England. I was just over in London. London's a fantastic city. So it's nothing to do with English people. It's to do with what, what the, that conquest of the world, that eradication of cultures around the world that was um, emanating from the monarchies at the time, you know. Um, and that's that's the problem. That that's that's the real ang the angers at that. The peoples, the regular peoples of the world, weren't doing this. Like, do, do you get me? So it's, there's no hatred. There's no animosity towards any people. There was just um there, and there's no. To be honest with you, I don't hate or I don't have animosity towards the past in a way because I get contacted by people sometimes, like political groups and. People really want me to go into this, get into a political thing and just like, I'm not doing it. It's just I'd rather understand things. And then what happens is that I have a very clear kind of picture about society and what's happening in the world right now. So then I find my own place in it and I can say, OK, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm going to 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 take steps towards my own kind of independence, my own freedom, my own thought processes. And maybe that might inspire others to do the same thing. But it's not about uh, being hateful and vengeful and, you know, fuck them and fuck this or, you know, uh, we need this, we need that. It's more to do with understanding. I think the greatest the greatest um, minds in the world in, 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 in any time were the philosophers, like. And that's what really people need to do is that thinking, you know, they just need to start thinking about things and understanding. 
Because when you think and you understand and you study research and you start speaking, that's power. You know, what did Michael Collins, Eamon De Valera do? The actual killing people and actually the wartime stuff and the actual guerrilla tactics was a very tiny, tiny part. What they were doing was speaking to people, orating ideas, you see? So that's real power, you know what I mean? When you understand things, you know, and they understood, they understood things. So, um, you know. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, but yeah, there, there's, look, yeah, as we've kind of touched on for the last few minutes, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit of a, a bit of a disconnect, um, from the government, but like, I think, I think, as we were talking earlier with the Republic, and I'll kind of, we'll finish off with this kind of point on the, mm. on the Republic, but, um, it's, it, I feel like we kind of, not that I, like, I, I feel it was a, it feels like we didn't get, we kind of got half of the, I think a lot mm. of people, Irish people feel like that. We we got half of the job done, like and in mm. twenty six out of the thirty two, it still feels like doesn't feel like a real republic. Like it's great to get it, and it's that's why we that, don't celebrate it. Yeah, I think that is, and I think there is a yeah. bit of a dark cloud over. It. And look, don't get me wrong, I'd much rather that than still be under British rule. It's it's better than nothing, but still there is that cloud. I don't think anyone like look, and that's what everyone will say. I'm I'm assuming. Look, it's it's great to have it, but obviously we we would rather the big prize like at the thirty two. So. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I really don't, like, because I can't see how it will ever happen because I don't think the British will ever want to let go of the Belfast port. Like, I just don't think... We have to think about it from a point of view. Let's take us out of it and let's look at it from a British point of view in terms of them in governmental, a monarchy point of view. They're not going to want to give up that port. You know, it's too important to them, industrialised, strategically and... I just think that's just going to be the case. Maybe I'm wrong. Jesus, I'd hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But then what happens to all the other people, all the, the people that are having allegiance to the, the monarchy? I mean, the reality is they're going to be still living there. So what's going to happen to them? I'm not, I'm not saying that it should. I, I would rather have it, but think of it logically. What's going to happen? So there will be another war probably, you know? So I don't know. It's a tough one, man. It's, it's, a, it's a really... It's, I think people don't understand. Do you ever notice this as well, Dan? Do you ever meet like Brazilians or people that visit um, um, Ireland? I just say Brazilians because there's so many in Dublin, but anyone that visits Ireland, they go straight to Belfast to see all the, the stuff in Belfast. like, And they just have no idea of the complication and the history of our relationship with, 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 with it, like, you know? They yeah. don't. They see the flags and stuff like that. They're like oh, different flags and stuff, but they're like, they have no idea. They just go straight to Belfast to see the Titanic uh, museum and stuff, but they don't understand the actual complexity of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because there is there is a lot to it. Like, um, mm. but I I don't know. I think it's, I think the Republic is doable. Like, I don't know yeah. a whole lot about it, but I think the one thing I was looking at uh, that I did read was now this mightn't be completely accurate. I, I saw this in the mirror about a month ago and I read something about I think there was an article or maybe sorry I might actually I just read it a month ago might have been older than a month ago but there was a thing about kind of not the pros and cons but they were they just made a point in it that it costs the UK around 12 billion to keep the north running every year now I don't know like as you said the port they're getting back from it but by a poll they did over in over in England it doesn't seem that there's a whole now this is obviously from the from the people, not from the politicians that did the poll on, but it doesn't seem like there's a huge kind of need for like the, the big one from them to keep the the six counties. Like obviously that won't have any impact in the end, really, because it's going to be the politicians and it's going to be them really deciding. I don't know, does it go to a poll over there as well as well as here? I don't know. But as well as that, the polls over here are fairly well tipped towards United Ireland. But as you say, the last thing you want to see is lads going fucking killing each other again. Well, tr trust me now, I want a United Ireland. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm just thinking about this in a logical way. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong here. And maybe if it's costing them more, and if and if there's more people in general that want it on both sides, including all the elites and aristocratic normal people, then it's doable. But I I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it... And I hate that. Look, I hope I'm not alienating people, but I, is, is it just a Shinner... Is it just a Sinn Féin's kind of way of getting into power, like, promising this to people? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, you, you, mightn't be, you mightn't be too far wrong. I don't know. 
you could have a point like yeah but, but I don't know enough about it because I'm not political yeah. um you know but look let's hope I mean someday we might have United Ireland and it might be a different story but what that entails then is is another is another question but look it'd be great it'd be great because at least then Collins wasn't um shot in the head for nothing like you know what I mean and, and all the other people that were shot and killed they weren't shot for nothing like you know even though they were they weren't shot for nothing already but I'm saying it would be a complete um you know it, it would feel complete then you know for them at least you know yeah definitely well yeah that yeah. was obviously the, the goal in the end yeah. Um, I'm gonna finish off with the last question. I kind of just said I throw in a real fucking random one, and the most typical, mm. like the kind of thing an American would ask you, said, "Do you believe in leprechauns?" Well, can I just say one last thing, Dan? Can yeah, I just go say on, one yeah. last thing, yeah. and I just want to, and I probably should say this at the start, but I just want to say, you know, from us having a discussion here and us talking about politics, religion, and philosophical ideas, anything historical stuff, it's not about attacking or defending anything or or the saying, I'm right, you're wrong, and oh, I'm wrong, you're right. It's nothing to do with any of those things. So if anyone's listening, triggered or anything like that, don't please understand that conversation and discussion is the way the world will work better. And that's what I feel is necessary. And I have actually said things about six months ago that I actually kind of disagree with now. That's that's life. We evolve and we grow. And and that's I just wanted to say that. So if anyone's upset or whatever for, about any little thing, that's not the intention. We're just having a conversation and you can converse with me anytime you want through the comments or whatever like that. Just be respectful. Constructive criticism is always better than just attacking. So that, that out of the way, do I believe in leprechauns? Yes, I do. And I, and I, and they're, they're in, they're in Leitrim and they're alive and well. And um, there's rainbows up there. If you get to the end of the rainbow, you'll win the lotto. Um, <laughs> but no, there actually is a leprechaun myth, and yeah, they're part of the the she, the she. So they're a part of myth mythology, yeah. But they're not the American versions, obviously. But they they're 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 definitely spiritually, uh, there in in some essence, yeah. Yeah, sure. I definitely believe you. All I was just a bit discouraged the last two times I tried to follow the rainbow, I never got to the end of the pot of treasure. Yeah. So, but I still believe. The little, if you go into little after a shop and you just put in four euros into the euro millions, that's that's the end of your rainbow. Like if it happens yeah. for you, yeah, you know? oh, of course, <laughs> that's, the, pro but, that's uh, the proper treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I definitely believe. I believe. Do you know what, man? I believe in the supernatural realm, and in the supernatural realm, anything's possible. Um. So yeah, for sure. I can. I can ask you. Do you? So do, in all seriousness, do you believe in leprechauns? Being a hundred percent serious. I don't, but mm. I wouldn't, I would never knock anyone for actually believing, like genuinely not, not even as like a joke. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be, I would, I don't know what to be honest. I thought, I thought I'd ask you just cause I was kind of, I'm always on the fence about something like this. Like I, whenever, mm. I don't know. Like I was talking to someone before, like even about, like I was, I had a paranormal lad on about this time last year and he was like a ghost, not a ghost hunter, but he's like a, paranormal like investigator and he was like kind of I was asking like do you genuinely like believe that there is you are like did you are really coming into contact with real ghosts and like actual spirits like and he's like yeah I actually do like he said we wouldn't mm. be doing this if we didn't believe mm. so it's always just one of them things I'm 50-50 I'm never like no they don't or yes to do I'm kind of it's a very yeah it's, but it's interesting though. like I love all that stuff like the likes of the paranormal stuff is very have, have you been to the mythological sites of Ireland like the Hill of Tara Newgrange have you been to these places I've uh, been to Newgrange yeah I must go to the Hill yeah. of Tara actually do okay I'll, I'll do me a favour and then send me on the, the link for the paranormal guy after I love to listen to that stuff but mm. do me a favour then if oh, sorry if, if I just tip my microphone but if if you go to the and I will I know we need to finish up but if you go go to the Hill of Tara right and get and get the tour Put away your phone for a while, right? Do the actual, go into the, the church, watch the documentary, get the tour. It's only five euros. Uh, they'll bring you on, they'll show you around. But do me a favor and touch the Sheila the gig, the Sheila the gig before you go in, and just put your, put your um, your everything that you know to the side for the moment, and actually believe that you're walking into a sacred place, and tell me how and tell me how you feel if you can do that, and walk around by yourself for a while afterwards. And come out and tell me, did you get? Did you have any sort of experience in either internally, not not externally? No, you don't have to see anything. But did you feel something? 
If you do, that's all you need to know. That's what the supernatural realm is. If you if you have this experience where there's something irking you or something's kind of hitting you some in some way, that's a supernatural experience. It doesn't have the spiritual experience, doesn't have don't have to see things. I think people feel this stuff all the time and they just think like, oh, that's just whatever, like you know, I had a bad cup of coffee or something. Yeah. You know, but trust me, try that out. And if you feel absolutely nothing, then Fair enough. You, you don't believe. There's there's nothing. There's nothing for you. You like you know. So try it out. Yeah. No. I'll give that a lash. You know. Put that in my bucket list. So I'll get that done yeah. in the next few months. Do yeah. and let me know. Yeah. Actually, really. And no, I'll do that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sure. Beckett, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. I think we've about forty or fifty minutes done there. So that's that's not a bad day's work. Yeah. You used so, to ask uh, a different question at the end though, didn't you? What? Did you used to ask a question? What? Uh, are you happy? Oh yeah. I kind of stopped. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Fucking. I'll ask you that. So are you happy? Genuinely, I'm happy at the moment, yeah. Genuinely happy. And I'm happy to be doing this podcast with you, Dan. And I appreciate you doing this. And fair play to you. I know you're very you're quite young, aren't you? You're like 20, 21 or something. Uh 20, yeah. Fair, fair fucking play to you, man. Keep it up. You know, it's very important what you're doing, man. So I'm I'm happy to be here with you, man. And I've really enjoyed this. So thank you. Thanks, lad. Honored to have you on. And um, yeah, very good chat. So yeah. Sure, we'll wrap it up there, I suppose. Oh yeah, come follow me at Bertie oh, yeah, Brosnan. Yeah, the important bit. At Bertie Bro- this is a very important. It's the whole reason why I did this. Like everything else, discount everything else. Uh, at Bertie Brosnan on YouTube and on TikTok. At Bertie Brosnan, Dan will put up something in the, in the description hopefully. And yeah. at, please follow me on Instagram at Bertie Brosnan Films, and you can get that on Instagram and Facebook. But I would love for you to come on Instagram, follow me there because I'm trying to build that. So thanks so much, Dan. Cheers. Well, look, your boss. Season 2!